Realtors Realcast. I'm your host, Maura Neal, and I'm so excited because I'm currently in a suite at the grand old Lady of Peachtree, the Georgian Terrace Hotel, awaiting the arrival of three very special podcast guests. It's February 2020, and we're right in the middle of our GAR inaugural conference. This episode will air in March for Women's History Month, but right now, the Georgia Realtors are kicking off the celebration of our centennial, our 100th anniversary. Indeed, it's an exciting year for the Georgia Realtors, and I'm thrilled that we were able to coordinate the schedules of these three extraordinary women to have a little bit of time to sit down with me. In honor of Women's History Month and the 100th anniversary of GAR, I invited a few notable GAR past presidents to sit down with me for a chat. And soon, I'll be joined by 2001 GAR President Barbara Kennan, 2005 GAR President Jan Baker, and 2013 GAR President Robin Lance. Now, full disclosure, I bribed them a little bit. I promised them some baked goods and wine. So I baked some lovely little flourless chocolate cakes, and since it's 11 a.m., I ordered a few mimosas from the Livingston right here in the Georgian Terrace. I'm hoping that we're going to have a fun and interesting conversation, insightful, fascinating, all about the Georgia Realtors, their experiences as three of the 12, to quote Barbara, lady presidents of our association in our 100-year history. But before they get here, I want to tell you a little story about my friendship with these amazing leaders. By the time I truly got involved with the Georgia Realtors, their tenures as president had already passed. They were certainly present and active as past presidents, but I really didn't have the opportunity to get to know them or to work with them directly. It's really easy to look up to and have an appreciation for the leaders who come before you. It's also really easy to feel intimidated by them. A few years ago, though, we were all at a meeting together at the National Association of Realtors headquarters in Chicago. And as anyone who flies out of Chicago knows, my flight home was delayed, as is the norm, and I found myself sitting in the Delta Sky Club awaiting word on when we might finally be getting out of there and on our way back to Atlanta. There were Barbara, Jan, and Robin sitting in the Sky Club and invited, or should I say demanded, that I join them for some wine and snacks. And I'm gonna tell you something. When Jan Baker says, hey, you come over and you sit with us. Well, I don't know very many people who are gonna say no to that. Just like that, I had three new friends, mentors, supporters. And I can tell you personally, these women are women whose leadership, legacy, wisdom, and fashion sense I aspire to. They manage to be ever-present, ever-insightful, ever-influential, and friends with each other at the same time. I constantly see them enjoying each other's company, lifting each other up, while always keeping an eye out for the future leaders of the association. And as three of the 12 female presidents from the past 100 years of the Georgia Realtors' history, I can tell you, they definitely have their eye out for the future female leaders of this association. I can't wait to talk to them about all that and more. So buckle up. I know you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a fun and exciting ride. 
I feel like it's appropriate for us to toast GAR's 100th anniversary, which is really what brought us together this week. Here, here. Cheers. 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 Thank you again for joining me and taking some time out of your busy conference schedule this week. I feel very lucky to have found a time that works for all three of you during what is always a busy week in our schedules. But I'd love it if you would take a moment to introduce yourself and maybe give a fun fact that people who have known you in a leadership role but don't really know you might find interesting and, and a little bit of fun. Okay, I'd, I'd love to start out. I'm Robin Lance. I was president of the Georgia Realtors in 2013. Actually, back then, it was the Georgia Association of Realtors. The name was changed during the year of my presidency. Uh, that made me the 93rd president. Um, and one fact that people find interesting about me is that real estate is the only job that I've ever had. And I think that that's interesting and a little unusual because so many of us, this is our second or third Career. Absolutely. I, I became licensed in 1977. I am uh, soon after immediately, then when I could, I got my broker's license, which was in 1980. Um, you know, it, it was something that has kept me in the business. When the recession hit, I was actually too old to try to do anything else. <laughs> so um, I had no choice but to you know, get good at being a realtor and hang in there. Sure, sure. So, I'm Barbara Kennan, and I was the 81st president. That was in 2001, and um, something very interesting about me is that I, like Robin, was a military child, and I traveled all over and lived seven years in Europe. So I had a broad understanding of different people, different cultures, and had to walk in with my hand out because you had to make friends quickly because I was moving so often. But I do have nine grandkids. That's something a lot of people might not know about me. So I stay very busy. And this is actually my second career. My first career was a mortgage banker. So I've always been in a related career. But I thought that all the agents got all the money and didn't do all the work. And I thought I did all the work. And then I quickly found out when I became an agent that the agents really did do all the work. So <laughs> it was quite eye-opening. But I've loved my career ever since. I've enjoyed being with GAR and it's Georgia Realtors and it's been a fantastic career. And I'm Jan Baker. I was president in 2005, which makes me the 55th, 85th, 85th. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, math, something you may not know about me, math was never my you and me both. Except I was treasurer twice of GAR, so we won't tell anyone. Um, I know I do like numbers now. Um, I was the fourth woman president of GAR, which I think is important. It's very important. Out of, uh, you know, 100, we've only had 11 women presidents. So I'm very proud of that. I'm also very proud of the work that I did with Eminent Domain and the transfer tax. Those were two probably more important than my presidency. Those were two things in Georgia with the campaigns that I think have helped all homeowners in private property rights. Absolutely. I was a school teacher for a few years before I got my license 40 years ago. And like Robin, I got my broker's license immediately almost. I thought I knew everything. I didn't, but I got my broker's license anyway. Uh, I taught seniors and I taught sociology and psychology, which I think has helped me a lot with dealing with 
committees and people. things. Your people, <laughs> yes. And something uh, people may not know about me is five years ago, if somebody had said, what would be your favorite vacation? I had all these ideas of these islands and these resorts and all of these things. And now you ask me, all I want to do is go on Disney cruises <laughs> with Why? your sweet little grandbaby. Yes. I understand that. I was a teacher too, so I completely empathize with the skills that come with having been a teacher and moving those into real estate. It's a wanting to help others and wanting to see everybody grow. And educate them. Yeah. So next month is March, which is Women's History Month, and that's actually when we're going to air this podcast, which is why I really wanted to sit down with you three and talk about your journeys as female leaders in real estate. I think you are inspiring and you have really been kind and supportive of me. So I thought this was such a great opportunity, but I especially love that each of you have served in so many roles and have been really visible role models, not just in the state, but at the national level. And that's been very important to me as someone who has very much loved my own involvement. And as past presidents, you're still very involved. We joke about, and every every past president jokes about, you know, it's fun on the way up. I think, Robin, you said that to me when you walked in the door today. It's fun on the way up, but then on the way down, it's even better because you kind of get to take a breath. But what keeps you coming back year after year, giving your time, staying involved with GAR, with NAR, and with our industry? Friends, people, family. I consider GAR one of my... I mean, my family. In fact, I was president in 2001, and that our convention started 9-11-2001. So we had to have the convention. And I can remember my daughter saying to me, why would you leave us? Why would you leave us at home, stay home with your family? And I quickly said, I'm going to be with my family because realtors were my family. Mm -hmm. And we all made it through the week together as a family. So... Quite sure. frankly, that's probably kept me in real estate when the times were bad. My association, my family with the Georgia Realtors. In my case, Mara, it's, um, I, I'm a very small company, which is what I choose to be. Um, my mother is a realtor. She's um, 87 years old now. Uh, technically, she is, technically, she is not the broker of our company. I've heard you talk about her. You've heard me talk about my mother, um, but she's an amazing woman. I mean, she just is, you know, comes from, yeah, she's just very strong and, and instilled that in me. But um, what, when she ran our company, we were one of the larger in Savannah, and that is just, it was not the model that I personally wanted. Um, so by being a small company, it's extremely important that I stay involved. I don't have higher ups or managers and such that are getting the information and um, you know the things that change with, with you know Greg. Um, you know the, the information that we need as the industry changes. I, I have to go out and get that on my own. There's no one to bring it down and funnel it down to myself or the agent. So, um, of course, you know the friend aspect of it is phenomenal, and and I've got relationships here that. Are, are like no other, but it, it is something that, that I, you, you're going to be stuck with me for a while until I close my company because that's good. my source of information that I bring back home. Right. So, yeah. and I love that um, you mentioned friendships and we're going to talk about that 
in a few minutes, but um, when I sent out this email to you three, one of you, and I can't remember who it was, said, oh, you want to get the three musketeers together? And I've heard you, I've heard you all say that several times, and I love that aspect of Barbara Talks About Family. You've echoed that, and even in our emailing about it, that was something that, and I've, I've seen that with you three specifically, but then also other females um, that are past presidents that are also close with you. So what about you, Jan? It's difficult letting go and watching you, Mara, and Dory, and Lisa, and the leaders coming up now. And we need to be there to help you, but yet not getting your way. And that's very difficult sometimes. Um, and we are glad that you see us as role models rather than get out of my way old lady you've been here before um and we we tease and we say we're feather dusters instead of peacocks but i don't mind being a feather duster uh, i love the respect that i get from everyone and it and my friends as barbara and robin said i have three best friends because i don't have sisters that I can call on and are there for me no matter what. And that's Robin and Barbara and Cindy Rampley. We lost a fourth best friend. Um, so I think part of this, I have to talk about Miss Conter. Mm -hmm. Harriet stayed on to be a role model for us. And without her, I'm not sure we could have done the things that we've done. Right. So with any luck and... With us doing the right things, there might be someone out there that we could help like that. Sure. And, of course, Mark, I'd like to add that Harriet Connor, of course, was our first lady president for the Georgia Realtors. Yes, and we are absolutely going to talk about her in much Good. more detail Good. in a minute. Good. Yes, Good. I am Good. not, um, not going to leave her out of this conversation. Good. Good. It's interesting that you bring up Harriet because, of course, we are going to talk about Ms. Conter, who was our first female president. And later today, as part of Women's History Month, I'm going to be sitting down to interview Dorcas Helfand Browning, who is NAR's first female president. Looking back at Georgia uh, realtor history, we had our first female president five years before the National Association. Did you guys realize that? I, I did not realize that. I did not. I knew she was before, but I didn't remember. Five that. full years. So we get a lot of... We hear a lot in the South. Let's let's be real, right? We hear that um, we're an old boys club, right? And that gets thrown around. I think sure. it's very cliche, and I don't know necessarily that it's true since women are the majority mm -hmm. in the realtor world. But looking back at the time when Harriet became president, what was the climate in Georgia when a female took the helm and was there any conversation about gender at that time? Yes. 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 Uh, and the interesting thing is, since Larry, her husband, had been president, they knew, the powers that be then, knew that probably females were coming along. So they felt like Harriet was safe almost because Larry had been president and they knew Harriet very, very well. She knew how everything worked. She had traveled with them because Larry was president. Little did they know that Harriet had a true mind of her own 
and was a very, very strong personality. So Larry told her, this is your year. This is not my year. You do what you think is best, and I will be there for you even dressing up like a female one time because it was the first ladies' <laughs> cub because they had always had uh, lunches for the first ladies. Sure. And so she had her luncheon, but there were no first ladies. So Larry uh, even went that far to support her and to let everyone know this is her year. She's smart, she's tough, and she's willing to do whatever it takes to be the best leader we've had. So it was a really, really good choice as it turned out. Well, and how interesting to me, as much as we in the South get flack for our gender roles and, and I mean, you know, just a lack of diversity in general, that we were ahead of the curve, ahead of the National Association. It's interesting that you mentioned that uh, they just thought she was safe because her husband had been president. But what was the climate at the time in regard to females in the association in general? Because it was only a decade or two before that NAR opened membership up to, to salespeople instead of just brokers. So what was being looked at as far as females in the association at that time? I, I mean, females were accepted. Females were not considered for all positions. I think that's a very fair statement to make. But maybe considered more for the work as the workhorses. I mean, I think that women agents have always prevailed. You know, when it comes to sales and and you know being able to work with people and so forth. So I think you know the brokers realize that we can't get rid of them. I mean, <laughs> they are our business. But getting back to Harriet. She did tell us about her interview with the other men in leadership, her being the only female, and she said it was hard. I mean, they. she said she felt like she was truly in an integration room, and, you know, with the, you know, single bulb light shining, <laughs> shining in her face, her face and waiting, you know, for her to say the wrong thing so they could, you know, maybe kick her out. I don't know. But she said, you know, you know, thankfully she was of that personality that that just made her stronger. That made her, you know, want to prove what women could do mm -hmm. more so. So it was, it was a blessing I love that, that they were that way. Yes, yes. But Harriet had the tough business side. But I have to throw in here. She was one of the most kind, generous people ever. So everybody loved her. That is a great introduction to my next question is, what's your favorite thing about her that you remember? Because sadly, she passed away in October of last year in 2019. But what, what's your favorite memory of her as a leader? My thinking about Harriet, of course, is that she made the road easier for me. She paved the road. She was our, our first. And like Robin said, she was very adamant that we girls would do right, follow in her footsteps, and she was always there for us, always pushing us, but she was our biggest supporter. She didn't stand in front of us, she stood beside us, and she absolutely loved us. There was no doubt that she loved us, and we couldn't do anything really wrong that she would ever not love us, but she had certain ideals for us, 
and she expected us to follow. She, and she told us, and we did. But we were a sisterhood. She was one of us. She was much older than us, but we included her in everything. We had surprise parties for her. We stayed at her beach house. One of my favorite, favorite memories of her was the night we were all swimming in her pool, and we were getting ready to swim in her pool, and out came Harriet in her shower cap with her little swimsuit on, and Jan and I had to dive underneath the water to keep from laughing <laughs> with her. Right. But she was a character, and so then at our next little get-together, I think it was Jan brought all of us a, or one of us, a good it been me, brought us all a shower cap, and we wore them all together, <laughs> took our made. pictures, and um, so she was, we could laugh at some of the silly things she did, but it was always with her. Sure. And she was, she was one of us. She absolutely was one of us to the day she died. And when we went to her house after she passed away, there with all her family photos was a photo of the five of us girls together. Oh, there, so. I love that. Yeah, she was. That's she fantastic. Was. I don't know how I was fortunate enough to get on her radar screen. I don't know what I did. I really don't. But whatever it was, I'm glad that I did it because without Harriet Connor, my life would be different, mm -hmm. a lot different. Mm -hmm. The funny things, the sisterhood, the always getting something of value when you went to her house, the story she would tell, always very valuable life lessons and business lessons. She was an excellent business person. But what I think you ask and what I'd really like to share is her family was very glad that she had us because she kept wanting to come to the realtor conferences and it would have been impossible without people who were caregivers to her while we were there. Because I received an um, email from Charles Clark, the Georgia Real Estate Commissioner, and I don't remember the years, but for quite some time. And um, I, Harriet, of course, was from Savannah, as am I, so mm -hmm. a lot of people would send messages to me to get to the family because, of course, we all knew her family, but I was probably closer in touch with them. He goes on and on about her um, desire to really make the realtor professional. And she you know, was really very adamant about educated realtors and would do anything for those people that were doing the right things. You know, not that she ever mistreated anyone, but you could not ask for you know, a better person to be on your side. Barbara already said that my family's, when my father's retired military, he retired to Savannah. My mother's been in the business since 1957, and she would get licensed in the various states. But um, when he retired, they decided to open our real estate company in 1975-76. Harriet and Larry Conter reached out to us, and, and we were competitors. And, you know, just embracing us and bringing us into what it was like to be in Savannah. Savannah's a little, a lot clickish. I was going to say a little bit clickish, but very much so. And um, that has just always, you know, I'll never forget. I'll never, you know, be able to repay her, that family, for the way that they embraced us and just made us a whole part of the community. And, I, you know, my whole life as a realtor, you know, with my parents, I would have to hear, well, Larry and Harriet, they would not have it this way. Well, Harriet wouldn't allow this. 
And mm -hmm. um, that's basically how he ran our company. Larry and Harriet said was right and what was wrong. And I'd like to add one thing, and I know that we're spending a lot of time on, on no, this. No, I love it. Um, but GRI was in Savannah a few times. And I would go down because my daughter was a governor and also because I like to go visit Robin. And as a past president, I was treated very nicely. I think I even spoke once. So there were a lot of reasons I went to GRI. But Harriet had a Friday night supper. And Larry built their house so that they could have a table that went through the dining room to the living room. It's all open, and they could see 25, 30 people. And so she had Friday night supper, which she invited a lot of the widows or widowers in her neighborhood because it was mm -hmm. just something special. But I had been invited, and Robin had been invited because we were there one time, and then Barbara was invited, and we talked about Friday night supper, how nice it was. So my daughter... As a young realtor, but she had reached the GRI governor at that point, but still a young realtor. And her group just kept saying, and she'd say, Mom, and they'd say, Jan, you think we could get invited to Harriet's Friday Night <laughs> Supper? Now, this is a group of GRI governors and people in GRI that could have gone out to one of the bars. There's a lot of things to do in Savannah. One of the nice mm -hmm. restaurants, done things. But all they talked about was getting to go, can we get an invitation to Harriet's Friday night supper? Mm -hmm. So she resonated with every age group, and every age group respected her. And isn't that so special? I love. I mm -hmm. these are the kinds of stories that I think are so important to be told because when I look from a distance, when I take a step back and I look at leadership, you mentioned the word earlier about Savannah feeling. Clickish, yes, right, and very, yes. and I would even say Savannah's clannish, right. Yes. It goes very what much back to before the United States were yes, the United absolutely. States colonies. Yes, but I, um, I, I hear a lot from people who aren't involved that leadership at any level, local, state, national, feels clickish, and while I've never really felt that way myself, as a, um, I'm not going to say young. But as a you can say someone who is maybe starting a leadership journey, uh -huh. I understand how people who aren't involved see we you if you stand back, you see the leadership team, they're running from meeting to meeting, and this is at, at the state and the national level. Yes. They're running from meeting to meeting, their schedules are packed, they get a written schedule, which a lot of people don't realize from their staff person who tells them, This is your schedule for the yes. week. You hear these perceptions mm -hmm. and you um, I try to respond to them and say well let's let's look at what their schedules look like or let's talk about what their responsibilities are they're mm -hmm. not just figureheads they're actually doing work but then to hear stories like this that she was a leader I, I almost hate the term past president because while you were a president at one time a lot of you choose to stay in leadership especially mm -hmm. the women I notice mm -hmm. choose to stay active but for that to be the most coveted invitation in Savannah mm -hmm. for the realtor community is mm -hmm. to get to go to Harriet's house for dinner. Friday night supper. I want to chime in on something you said because it's very interesting. You said how people perception of us. When I was president of GAR back in 2001, somebody came to me and said that someone had said I was snobbish. And I just never really thought of myself as being snobbish. And so I had to, I took this and I had to think about it. And I thought, 
Because when I'm going to a meeting, like you said, I've got the next this meeting, I've got to go to this meeting. You're and focused. I can see thinking about what I'm going to be talking about. And I can see myself passing by somebody and maybe not speaking to them. And a new member, a new attendee, I should say. Sure. First time attendee. And I thought, so I took that to heart and I corrected that immediately. I caught myself walking down and I looked at people who were passing by me. I tried to make myself smile and talk to them. And I'm not saying make myself, I mean be conscious of the fact. Be present. That, mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I that was the best piece of advice I had ever gotten from somebody. And I, I take it to that day. Try and just talk to somebody, not be thinking, oh, I've got a the speech I'm going to make or the thing I'm going to do. And that is exactly what you were just talking about. So I thank you for saying that. Well, and that's so interesting because when I when I do when I teach leadership around to other associations, the best leadership lesson I ever had was a conversation just like that one with Brian Copeland. And we were in San Francisco at NAR mm -hmm. and he said, you know, and he's a very good friend of mine. He's almost a big brother. He's, you know, very much a, a best friend, big brother figure, mentor. And he said, come and talk to me in my room later today. We need to have a conversation. And he said, you know, people are watching you. They see what you do. They see that you're more and more involved and more and more present. But when you walk down that hallway, your eyes are on your phone. Or he said, I know you well enough to know that you're thinking about where you're going next and the contract that you're negotiating and the inspection that's happening. And you're not there to be there for that inspection. And he said, but what you need to remember is people notice what you do. So you need to make eye contact and smile. And even if you don't remember that person's name, you need to say, so good to see you. How are you doing today? But I almost feel, while we're talking about females and our relationships mm -hmm. with each other, but also mm -hmm. with everyone else in our associations, is that we are more criticized for that because you hear words even less attractive than snobbish, right? Mm -hmm. We hear those words that perhaps a man would never, it would never be attributed to a male leader who's right, going to a meeting. Right. But we're watched more closely. Have you had experiences with that? Well, I'm sure we, yeah. we all have had experience with that, yeah. but I just, mm -hmm. I just try and focus on, I am a woman, and not think about the fact that men... But there's almost more responsibility just, for us to be friendlier and not be seen as... Yeah, we had to be. So. I think overall, there's more responsibility on women, even now. I mean, I, I feel, you know, that it's very equal now as far as you know, women and men opportunities, and opportunities, and that sort of thing. But I absolutely feel like there's still a little bit of that double standard as to the expectation of a woman versus you know. A, and a we don't want. We almost need to try harder to not be seen as the right, right witch that starts with another letter. Exactly, exactly. And, and to be inclusive, um, I created almost like a script when I was mm -hmm. president. And it went something like, hey, great to see you. Thank you for asking. Because most people say, how are you? Thank you for asking. I hope you're doing well, too. Let's pick this up at, at the social tonight uh, so that I won't be late for this meeting. Yes. Um, and so that was not putting them off. Right. It was saying, I'd love to talk right, to you. Right. Or I'd say something like, let's catch up when we have a few more minutes, like mm -hmm. tonight at the reception. Or call me when we get back yeah, home. Or, or, yeah. Or after the conference. I'd love to go into that. Or, or something, mm -hmm. you know, I've been I've been watching this, been concerned. But it's just a little something about them as I was walking, because otherwise you've got, 
maybe 40 people or 100 people sitting in a room waiting on you to be there, and you've still got two other hallways to walk down. Yeah. Because these conference centers And they are don't huge. know why you were late. Yeah. Well, and um, you do become elevated when you're in leadership, and especially president. And everybody knows you, right? Because you're out there. You don't know everyone else, but they expect that you should know them maybe. So so it is. You, you could you could put yourself in a position you'd never make a meeting, you know. And you know, I like that. I think that's why I'm gonna say that's why I'm late all the time. That people keep stopping me in the hallway. That's a good excuse. I love it. <laughs> but I also think to your point, everybody knows you. You don't know you can't know everybody. That's right. That's right. That's why I love the Southern tradition of you say so nice to see you instead of so nice to meet you. Yes. Because yes. if you say nice to meet you to the wrong person exactly. and they've met you six times, all yes. of a sudden yes. Yes. you're yes. too important for them or they're not important like, enough for you. I like that. You too. Yeah, so I nice love to that. See you. Yeah, I say great seeing you. Yes. I learned that very early on. Yes. <laughs> and I, one thing I kind of started was like Robin said, you can't remember everybody, but they remember you're, you're one person up there and then there's. You go to all these different boards. So I would literally just say, it's great to see you again. Remind me of your name. And I just got to where it wasn't, I felt, I didn't feel bad because I couldn't remember sure. everybody's name. But I really wanted to know their name. So I would just say mm -hmm. to them, it's nice to see you again. And I'm, Remind me of your name. I'm terrible say, with of names. Of course, that's, you know, and so it's, but you know what? Everybody's terrible with names, and so we shouldn't feel bad about that. And it's nice to be transparent about it and say, I'm terrible with names, but I know I've met you. Exactly. Or your face is so familiar, just remind me of your name. <clears throat> so we've talked a lot about Harriet, and I think that this is a great segue, of course, Women's History Month, and I want to talk a little bit about female friendships. Because you are all from different parts of the state, and your presidencies were a little spread out, but you probably served in leadership roles together at some point in your journey. But for many of us in real estate, we build those strong bonds. We talked about it being our family earlier, extended mm -hmm. family, lasting friendships, support systems which, with one another, which is evident not just when people see you to, at conference, but I see it a lot on your social media profiles. You get together, you see each other outside of mm -hmm. conferences, which is great. You're three strong female leaders who support each other, cheer for each other, build each other up in an industry that can often feel really competitive mm -hmm. and not as supportive as maybe we should all be at times. So I know from, I listen to a lot of podcasts that talk about um, female relationships and female leaders and female success stories. Female friendships can be really rewarding, but also very complex and difficult to keep up as adults, as we all have families and responsibilities. How important has your support system with each other been, not just through your careers, but through your volunteer leadership? I think the thing that is unique about us is that we can go without speaking to one another for months. But when we do get back together, we, it, it, we pick it up just as though you know, there was not a, a day's lapse in it. I, we, tr we all truly, truly care about one another. We appreciate each other. Um, there's that understanding that if you do need us, it might have been months, pick up the phone, we'll stop what we're doing, and, and we're headed your way. And I think, you know, now, how did we get there? That, that to me, is the question, because most female relationships are rather catty. And, you know, 
women do have a tendency to get a little bit more jealous of, of you know, their success. female success stories with the female competitors or, or someone that looks nicer than them or has a better shape than them or whatever. And, um, you, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot of friends at home. I, I, I have a, I, I take that back. I have a lot of friends. Um, I don't have really good, close girlfriends at home and, and and it's not I think what it is they don't number one understand what our job entails mm -hmm. what we are about I mean the fact that you're invited over to their home for dinner and you have to excuse yourself and go sneak in the bathroom to you know call a client back <laughs> or something. I mean you know that, that could be some of it um I, I don't know I'm gonna quit talking and let you maybe y'all can figure out the answer to that question where does the tackiness, the, the you know, um, jealousy go away and where does it go into it? Well, well I started with a common bond. Like when I was president, Robin was my convention chair, which is very, very important. And she became my convention chair because Jan suggested that I should ask her to be my convention chair. So you can see the triangle right there. Absolutely. And so the whole, my whole convention was Robin and Jan and, of course, Cindy, who's our other girlfriend, and Harriet. We were all, but these two girls right here, really, were always behind me, pushing me, beside me. But we had a common bond. We had a common strength. And we all loved the Georgia Association of Realtors. And so it was very easy to form a friendship like that. And I'm like Robin. I have probably one or two really good girlfriends in my local area, but these are my best friends. Now, she's wrong. We, we, we talk a lot more than every <laughs> Sometimes every day. But oh, we text each other text, a lot. And we in a long text. conversation we talk. Yes, yes. But we are, um, we're just very close. Very mm -hmm. close. And mm -hmm. the common bond, I think, is what did it. Mm -hmm. We do have a common bond. Um, one thing, I believe, that helped is we're all from big families. Mm -hmm. We each have, I have four brothers, Robin has four brothers, and Barbara has three sisters and two brothers. So we're all from big families, so we didn't grow up with it's all about us. And we learned, we learned to share, or we learned to see everybody with their own interest and to take each person for what they were interested in. When I first got to be friends with Robin, before I suggested she be the convention chair for Barbara, we were walking along in San Antonio. Now, Robin is cute. <laughs> she really yeah, is. She, she is. really is. And Robin Thank is you. younger. She's younger than me. And I could have been real catty about, okay, well, I am in leadership and you want to be, and you're so cute and you're so much younger than me. Just go off. But instead, I said... Hmm, let me see here. Who would I like to like talk to? And so we kind of left the rest of the group and just went out on our own and had the best time mm -hmm. and realized a lot of the things we have in common about our family, our brothers, our, our goals, our visions, uh, our children, our husbands. We talked about everything that night and then just got to be really good friends. And Barbara and I already were friends. So we were sitting at the tavern. I remember exactly when Barbara was debating or what word, uh, convulsed over who was going to be your convention chair because it was so important. And I said, Robin Lance. And I think she called her right then. And then the, I think the thing that 
really made it even more cohesive was when Robin was president, my daughter was her convention chair. And also your President's Award. Yeah, and, and also got Robin's President's Award. They were very tight that year, and they're still tight. So my daughter is coming up with that tightness with, with the group, too, and so are their daughters. Mm -hmm. um, and we get them together. We call them the petite yayas, mm -hmm. and we try to get them together. Then when my grandchild was born, these two were, like, up there. And Barbara held my grandchild before I did. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> she did. She didn't know I hadn't held her yet, but she held her. And and then when when we had the convention at the Waverly, and Amelia was just a baby, and Jana would not take her out. Mm -hmm. She would not take her anywhere. and But she took her to see these two. Mm -hmm. And we've got a really cute picture of them fighting over her. On Facebook, I yeah. posted that. It came and, up again. But but like Robin said, we, we call each other, and we just genuinely like each other, and we respect each other. Now, we do talk about business, and we do talk about the politics of GAR and NAR. We do talk about our industry and ethics and what we would like our industry to be and what we should do. Mm -hmm. but we do talk a lot about family. Mm -hmm. Let me say something about Jana. I mean, she's my heart. I could raise her as my own, and I used to tell her, you act more like me than your mama, so <laughs> you should have been mine. But what I admire about her right now, I've always admired lots of things, but the fact that she is taking time to be a mother, when it's most important. And, and I did that same thing. I became licensed in 1977. My daughter was born in 85. And I, I, I worked in the business. I worked with my parents' property management company. But I wasn't at the conventions and the meetings. And, you know, because mm -hmm. that wasn't my place at that time. And I, I think women have to, you know, get, you know, bring themselves above that too and say it is okay to take some time mm -hmm. off and and spend time with your children and be the parent that you need to be and go back into it i mean i mean i never totally quit anything as Jana, she's involved in the industry you know i saw on facebook we were like uh, you know just in awe over the fact that she's done so well with the company this year she consistently does but um that's a tough thing, and I see a lot of girl, young women struggle with mm -hmm. that, and I just like to say it's okay. Um, the Savannah Board of Realtors has our, used to be the old Million Dollar Club, we now call it the DSS. You go in, in uh, consistency with the number of years. For example, I'm getting my 28th plaque, 28th plaque, because I've consistently sure. done it for 28 years. If you ever have a break in that year, you have to start over again from year one. So, and I've been licensed since 77. So someone came to me, so about four years ago, to a convention. I was getting what, my 24th year. And she said, you know, gosh, you know, you've been in the business so long. It's so sad that you had to, to quit selling for a while or, or selling as much. You're only getting your 24th year plaque when you should be getting, like, you know, whatever it should be. And I said, oh, no, it's not sad. There's nothing sad about that at all. Mm -hmm. You know, those, you know, my daughter's phenomenal. That was a really good part of my life. But I was still industry connected. And, and anyway, so it's just when you said that about Jana, because she 
was so involved and she had the baby and, and we'll see Janet again. I, I'm convinced. She was in line again. to be dean and she gave that up and she loved GRI. She loved the governor. She loved the students. That was her thing, but she gave it up, which was the best thing to do at that time. And it's an interesting commentary on, even for someone like me, I don't have children mm -hmm. and I don't plan to have children. That was okay. a choice. And I have furry babies instead. Mm -hmm. uh, but They're cute. They are cute. They're mm -hmm. so cute. But I think women, maybe more so than men, feel this obligation to our clients to work harder, longer, stronger, to prove ourselves. If, for whatever reasons. We all have different reasons. But I think the conversation around wellness and around finding harmony between what we love to do as a career and in volunteer mm -hmm. roles and then our other obligations, whether that's children or our spouse or just finding Absolutely. some me time, we are so prone to getting burned out. Mm -hmm. And so even when you don't have children, it's important. Mm -hmm. What have you all done over the course of your career to, to find some of that balance? I know, Robin, you mentioned taking time off to raise a child. Mm -hmm. What other things do you do even now in, in your adult years where your children are grown? What are you doing to make sure that you have that wellness and that balance and that harmony between work and play? I mean, sadly, I don't think I have that balance now. And, and I look back and I say, why? I think a lot of people would agree with, would relate to that. Right, right. And, and like you said, in, in children, that was just the example that fit mine in Jana's case. But they children almost force are not, they, there's something, you know, there could be something else that you should be, you know, paying more attention to at, at a given time in your life, whatever that may be. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm hoping to get the answers today from our little talk as to why I seem to have gotten out of balance. Um, and I think maybe I'm more aware of it um, because I have grandchildren now. I have the three of them, and, and I do spend time with them. I don't feel like, you know, I'm losing anything really with them. Um, I, I've got a very supportive husband. He allows me to do my thing. And, you know, sometimes I think I take advantage of that. And I put too much on myself. So, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. But I think it's the problem is within me, you know. Well, I think that um, not only did I have to grow and be comfortable with my role, my daughter had two. Two guys just had one daughter. It's, she didn't have nine grand, grandchildren. My, I inherited some, too. I mean, nine children. I inherited some grandchildren, too. But anyway, she grew up, got older, got her, had her family and had her own interests. And I think she started realizing that me time for a parent, a mom, is important too. And she could sit back and say, aha. She had her aha moment. Well, it was okay for me to pursue my own goals and my own, my own things that I wanted in my life, not just being a mother. And she, she was okay with it, but it took her a while. It took her a while. I mean, she playing with the dolls one day and said something about don't ever be a real estate agent you'll never see your children talking to her dolls about her say that and I thought oh, because you know we're gone a lot and yes I used to take her to open houses with me or mm -hmm. take her to here take her there because I thought I was being a great mom by taking her and finally she told me I'd rather stay home with a babysitter and so that was an aha moment for me so sure it's a learning thing you just 
And yeah, I would admit there's a lot of things that I feel like I did miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. A lot, but I tried. Being a realtor, of course, we can sometimes make our own hours. And yes, of course, buyers and sellers make hours, our hours for us. But so I, I tried to make up the hours that I was with her over the hours that I wasn't with her. And I, I, I finally just came to peace with it. But right. it, it was hard. It took a while. Sure. And I'm still reminded of it occasionally. <laughs> she should, she, you know, she wondered why she was never on Oprah because I was gone so long. <laughs> and she had to do a lot of growing up on her own. But as becoming a mom herself, she realized that we all need to have our own outlets, our own goals. And- sure. One time, this is like Barbara, Jama said something to me. She was little bitty, big old blue eyes, her blonde curly hair. She looked at me, she had tears. Back in those days, we did not have cell phones. We did not even have call waiting. So I had two phones because we didn't have call waiting and, you know, two phones. And one phone was supposed to be for family and the other phone was the one I gave out for business, but you know how that works. Sure. So I was talking about appointments on one phone. One phone was ringing and Jana looked up at me with those big blue eyes with a few tears and said, when am I going to get an appointment? That did it for me. After that... I made my own schedule. I never missed a school grade mother thing. I never missed, not even a game. I never missed a practice. Now, sometimes Mitchell, Jana's brother, everybody says, do you have another child? Because, oh, you know Jana. Uh, Mitchell's a a sweet boy. Um, He'd be at another field. It'd be closed. I could go back and forth. Or there'd be another parent I knew. So I did that for a long, long time. I made it. That was an appointment. Mm Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had life balance back then. I was happy. I was very happy. And then, you know, then things got, technology was supposed to make it easy or easier. All it did was make people with car phones, make them get to me quicker. (laughs) You know, so for for a while Mm -hmm. I went through that other thing again of trying to do too much. When they were teenagers, I really made it so that I was there. I was there I gave up doing stuff on Friday and Saturday nights. Bob and I did ourselves. Mm-hmm. We were there so all the other kids could come over there. So that was a good life. That was a great life balance. And I probably made more money back in those days than any time when I was selling. Mm-hmm. Because that was something that was planned. I cooked on Sunday. Also, we could travel and take them with us. And we just seemed to have more, a little bit more freedom during a certain period of time of traveling. Then, you know, you go through, you see everybody else on Facebook and Instagram. Everybody gets to you and you see, okay, well, I've got to do some more. I'm not doing enough. So maybe I went through that cycle. But what really has helped me, and I still get anxious when I feel like I haven't accomplished everything, is the mindset and the miracle mornings. Mm -hmm. I never was taught to do affirmations or we talk about prayer, but praying out loud. Mm-hmm. And I never was taught to lay there and say my gratitudes out loud in the morning. And even writing them down and putting them someplace. So now, I say my gratitudes in the morning. And it really helps. Mm-hmm. Because I'm tempted to go get on that computer the first thing mm-hmm. and return all those emails mm-hmm. Go to Facebook, see who's done what overnight, see what I missed last night here at GAR at the honor reception. Um, 
But laying there and saying your gratitudes instead of laying there saying, oh my gosh, I can't finish this today. I've got this, 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 and this, and I can't get it finished. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, my gratitudes are Amelia is healthy. Yes, it may be raining. There may be tornadoes, but I'm okay. And there are people that are, don't have houses, and they're out in this. Mm-hmm. So I think, and Dan Forsman has taught me that. We talk about it a lot in our company, mm-hmm. uh, about our gratitudes in the morning and our mm-hmm. miracle. He, call, he calls it a miracle morning. Mm-hmm. Our miracle morning. Now, what I don't do is I don't exercise enough in the mornings mm-hmm. because that's the time to do it before you get out. And, and I know you're a runner, and I can't even imagine doing that, Mara. So I'll leave it with that, with you, with your running. I think we can all get a little better at at the balance. But I think one thing that everyone at this table does well is you've obviously balanced the work that you do that you get paid for with your volunteer work. And that's something Mm -hmm. that a very small percentage of our industry gives back in that way. And some some don't have the capacity to. They may not have that support system at home or they may be a single parent or a, a single person that is their own, their only form of sustaining is themselves. Mm -hmm. But we've all had the privilege and the honor of being able to be very active volunteers. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, you've all been president of GAR, but there's no obligation for that to be your answer. Mm -hmm. What has been your favorite role as a volunteer realtor at any level, local, state, national, Anything that you've done throughout your career as a volunteer, what has been your absolute favorite or the most rewarding one you would want others to know about? Y'all looking at me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have the first answer, but... Well, you said something earlier. Of course, being the voice for um, NAR and GAR to Johnny Eikenson has just been the role of my life. You know, we close friends before, oh, friends before, we have become very close, and he is just the best person I've ever known and I count myself very 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 fortunate and lucky to to have had that position but I would like to talk about one other thing that I did with NAR that I absolutely loved now, of course love being president love this but I was a convention chair one year for NAR in 2012 mm-hmm. Movisi was a president and Dean Asher and I chaired convention and I've got to say that was the most involved I've ever been over RVP, over liaison, is being convention chair because you had everybody and everybody was kind of depending on you to put on this big convention and keep going, smiling all the time. I mean, I could never look like I was preoccupied when I was walking around as convention chair. It was fabulous. It was just so much fun and so enlightening and I loved every minute of that week. The preparations were great. But that week just, I loved it. I just really loved it. It was just one of my most fun positions. Great. I love to hear that story. (laughs) I think being a national RPAS trustee before the change in the two committees, uh, in the past at NAR, the RPAC trustees did the fundraising as well as the contributions. Now it's split. But back in those days, it was all one committee. And getting to know that group of people because they were business owners, brokers of large companies, mostly men, except for Carol and Dorcas and uh, Nancy Riley and me. 
we traveled because they had to make decisions all through the year and would have to go places. And hearing their perspective on the industry and on what was important and being kind of in the inner circle of what was really going on because advocacy is the most important thing we do and that's what we did with Senator Isaacson. Being on the inner circle of that group, the first one from Georgia, was a big honor but also it was like I soaked it up like a sponge and I felt so stupid and inadequate at first and I didn't say a word, if you can imagine that, for like a long time. And you, you are, you're there for two years and you roll off. But then I was, they elected me back. And some of those guys, and like Charlie Oppler, who's going to be NER president, was my committee chair who took me under his wing and would say, Jan, what does Georgia think about this? What do you think about this? And getting to know Lawrence Yoon very well, our chief economist, because I'm very interested in those things. And I can thank Barbara a lot for that because she took me as her guest when she was doing convention and executive committee and AR and we were lucky enough to sit with Lawrence and his wife several times mm -hmm. and I love that that thought process of the vision of what's going on in our industry mm -hmm. because everything starts with a housing market everything yes. so you can tell a lot from that and Lawrence is brilliant so getting to know some of those people and when you think about the three of us from Georgia, have been personal friends with the NAR president for several years in a row. Mm -hmm. So that shows our involvement. I think that's been my favorite thing of actually knowing people who I can call and get answers and then go tell my agent or the president of my company, this is what's happening about the housing market with things. I've liked that. I've liked my RPAC and my advocacy. I think with mine, it doesn't have any big names attached to it. As I said earlier, once you become president, you do become quickly elevated, and people think you know a lot more than what we do sometimes. But the fact that you know, folks in my local board, a lot of the younger people, they'll come to me as a mentor, and they'll throw things at me or throw things by me and ask my opinion of things. And that's just very rewarding to me that someone would think, you know, that highly of me to just, and it may not even be anything that, that you know, takes any research or anything. It, it may just be a simple thing about changing brokerages or, or something, you know, where, you know, and, and I just, I just, it makes me feel good that I can give back. I would never, you know, I don't tell people what to do, but I enjoy saying, you know, no, these are, you know, the positive things that would happen if you did that. But make sure you look at what could be negative as well. And um, I don't know, that, that's, mine's kind of simple. I'm a simple person. <laughs> the last no, thing I want to, <laughs> the last thing I want to ask you has to, has to do a little bit with my experience with you three. So if you remember, back in 2016, we were at Leadership Summit in August and our flight home was delayed. <laughs> yes. And I was sitting in the Delta Sky Club and I think you sent... I walked over. You walked over, Barbara. And you said, what are you doing sitting over here by yourself? And I said, I'm just doing some work because our flight's delayed. And you said, you need to come over here and join us. And I look across the room, and it's Jan Baker and Barbara Kennan and Robin Lance and Bill Boatman. Yes. And I look up, and Jan's waving me over. 
And when Barbara Cannon and Robin Lance and Jan Baker say, you better come sit with us. I mean, it's like the opposite of Mean Girls, right? It's, it's, the, it's the opposite of you can't sit with us. It's the you better get yourself over here. And I think about that moment because I knew you. I didn't know you well. But here I am, just some little realtor sitting in the Delta Sky Club. And these three past presidents of GAR invite me over. And we had a great conversation and you said, what do you want to do and what are your plans and how can we support you? And that, to me, as not just a, a woman, but as, you know, someone who is very interested in being involved and is very passionate about giving back. Along those lines, because I know this is something that you all do well and are passionate about, how strong of a responsibility do you feel not just as leaders, but as female leaders, to be looking out for the next generation of us. And how have you used, I mean, I know personally what my story is with you, but how do you use your leadership and your influence to make that happen when you see somebody that you want to bring forward or bring out of their shell or, or help along? You just do it. Just do it. I mean, I've, I know several people that I have noticed that in and... And of course, we, we noticed it in you, Mara. It wasn't just because you were sitting over there by yourself and we felt sorry for you. We, we definitely see a leadership role in you. And that's why we wanted you to come sit with us. We wanted you to know, without just saying it, that we believed in you. We thought you were somebody special and you needed to keep pursuing and feel that way. And I felt that way about several people that are right now in leadership. Dory. Mm -hmm. Lisa Scully from my board mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. was always right behind they call her my little mini me and, so, and that's a compliment to me and I think so, it's a compliment to both of you yeah well thank you I really do you know it's not hard to recognize leadership we've been in the role and I think all of us can say it's, it's not hard to recognize leadership and, well I, I don't even remember exactly what was said or how it was said about Mara one time we were talking and, <laughs> and and I don't even remember what it was but I just remember I think I said you know she's going to be great but she's going to have a hard time because you are very attractive you go and you move you go after what it is that you're trying to accomplish you you know keep raising the bar and we talked about the mean girl thing that people and the fact that you had done so much on the NAR level that others were going to just not want you to get in just because you had all those great things going for you. We, we, we talked about that, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, that you would, you would get there, but it might be a little difficult because of the others that may, you know, want to try to pull you down, not you personally, but through other people. Oh, no, mm -hmm. you know, she's a snob, she's this, she's that. Well, it's a lot of the things that we've talked about today. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and as far as us being able to, you know, rise above that and say, you know, let me tell you how great Mara is, I, I mean, I think we're just, we, we're confident in ourselves. I mean, and there are not a lot of people that really, really feel comfortable in their own skin and who they are. And right. those are the ones that, that you know, I, I don't know, you just you just surround yourself. And I like to be surrounded by people like you that, you know, that are the innovators. You know, you're leading the way. You're making it easy for me to stay in the industry. You right. know, this is, is, you know, my lifeline and everything. Sure. But, um, and, and I don't see that, I mean, 
I guess it was like an acceptance thing. You know, folks are, they are sometimes a little bit hesitant to bring sure. someone in that might could take something from them, right? So. so how strong is that responsibility, though, do you feel? I, I think that it, it's strong for me to look around and be cognizant of it and make that call to that person like I did to you and, and several other people to actually notice it, not just be, I'm so happy to be my friend Barbara and Robin. I'm so happy to be here with all my friends here. To look around when you go to things, look at people and then compliment them on what they're doing uh, via where you do it, Facebook, Instagram, or reaching out with a good old personal note, which I like to do, or, or to call them and say, I saw you at this great report. I think it's our responsibility to do that. Now, it's hard because you, when you leave these things, you have all these things going through your head. you got to get back to work. It's hard. But even complimenting on, and this happened, I, you probably don't remember this with me and you, uh, noticing things other than their, their smartness, their brightness, their wanting to do, their image for our association. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at an event. Barbara was there uh, for Johnny Isaacson. And we were at the, I have a memory that remembers trivial stuff, I'll just have to tell you. We were at 103 West or either at the Georgian Club. I believe it could have been the Georgian Club because I think we were up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody was hugging, saying hello. And I said, that's a great color and a great outfit on you. And and so she goes to Deanne and said, Jan Baker just told me she likes my outfit. <laughs> well, which made me feel wonderful. Oh, it was a thrill. Well, it was a. Th- it made me feel wonderful that she thought it was special that I complimented. Mm-hmm. You know, like okay, whatever, whatever. This old lady is just complimenting on this, and I, I thought, well, maybe I do have a little bit of uh, credibility. Mm-hmm. But it's not just you know it's it's not just you. It's other people that I try to lift up and try to notice things. And we get caught up in our own things, and I don't want to be a snob, and I don't want to be at the table just with my two best friends and not notice anybody. But sometimes we're so into a issue or a, not an issue, but we're into a family thing about one of our children or grandchildren, and we're really intense. But I think the three of us do a really good job of our radar of noticing and trying to bring people up like Harriet did us. Exactly. Well, and you mentioned earlier social media making us see first of all it's so it's so edited I try to not just put out the curated part of my life you know Mm -hmm. when I've had a terrible race or I haven't exercised in a month or I you know I want to be honest about that too because it's not just the best parts of us that's it should be more transparent Mm -hmm. but I think that to your point it's not just noticing that somebody looks great in a color or somebody made a really great comment in a meeting or somebody has leadership potential, it's taking that extra step and telling them. Mm-hmm. Because we notice a lot, there's so much noise mm-hmm. with social media. But for you, you three set a really strong example of you notice it and then you say something or you write the note. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. um, that's what sets you all apart in my mind. I have to mention this because I know everyone notices it. You all wear these lovely necklaces that have the state of Georgia. And I I can't remember a time when I've seen any of the three of you without it. Do you want to let people know what the story is behind these necklaces? For years, the Georgia Association of Realtors wanted to give something to the wives of the men presidents 
because we all know that during the men presence years, the wives were at home raising their children while they were driving all over Georgia speaking, and the wives had to be supported back at the office and at home. So they wanted to give them something special to remember their year. So they gave the wives these, it's in the shape of the state of Georgia, and it has two little diamonds, and one is the home office, and the other is where your board or where you lived. Mm -hmm. So when we started electing women, as presidents, then we receive them. And so we kind of have groups coming along that are together. And what we started doing is they gave the pendant itself. What we started doing is buying for our group of friends the necklace or the Omega or whatever mm -hmm. the time period called for, for it to go on. So we had a part in it too. And now, you know, the new ones coming along take that up. And so we wear it at all of these functions just because it's special. Yes, absolutely. And plus on the back it has our year that GAR, the year we served. So yeah. What a nice memento. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we get asked about it a lot. Yeah, the conventions, really you know. Yeah. National conventions. People right. ask about our necklaces. Mm -hmm. we wear I get too. asked about mine a lot at home. People sure. say, that's a cool necklace. What what yeah. is what that about? What's it mean? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it gives me an opportunity to let them know, you know, it's a position that I had with Georgia Realtors. So that's nice too. Well, and we have yeah. some amazing women in at Georgia Realtors. We, I, yes. I don't think I mentioned this previously. Uh, I think I mentioned it off off the recording, but we've had twice as many female presidents as the national level. Yes, yes. which is a, a very important number in my opinion. And I want to thank you all for not just for agreeing to sit down with me today and giving me some time, but for being inspirational leaders and for continuing to be here and be visible to people like me who look up to you and, and hope to do you proud and, and follow in your footsteps someday. But mostly just thank you for agreeing to tell your story and to talk a little bit about being a leader, both state and national level and thank you for your time thank you for having thank us you. and we look forward yeah. to seeing you at the top young lady. <laughs> and, and thank you for doing this yeah, all you. right have okay. a great day and the cake yeah. was divine yeah. <laughs> and the mimosa oh yeah yeah, yeah barbara we gotta tell Thank you so much for listening. This has been RealCast, and I'm your host, Maura Neal. To find out more about the women we interviewed on today's podcast, please visit our show notes at garealcast.com. There, you can also like and subscribe to us. Apparently, it boosts our ratings and helps others to find us. Have a great one.